Thanks for joining the fifth season of the Positive Talk Podcast. Your hosts, Julie Homrich, a psychotherapist, and Chuck Allen, a pastor, merge faith and psychology each week to help you live a more peace-filled and purposeful life. So settle in and enjoy this week's episode of the Positive Talk Podcast. Hey, everybody, and thanks so much for joining us on another episode of the Positive Talk Podcast. As always, I'm joined by my friend and partner, Julie Homrich, a psychotherapist who has the ability to join me in being able to blend faith and psychology as we try to help people discover a little more peace and a little more purpose in their life. And last week, Julie, we talked about the idea of screen literacy. So if mm-hmm. you're wondering, like, what screen are we talking about? It's whatever device. Technology. Right, yeah. technology. But the idea that screen literacy is something that we, we all struggle with, but how we help our children with it is a big, big deal because it's not going away. Right. Uh, this is a this is a part of our life, mm-hmm. and uh, the idea of thinking that you can live a technology free life while uh, it feels idealistic, the mm-hmm. vast majority of us literally can't. Yeah, and I think screen literacy, if I could define it, it would be finding a balance between screen avoidance yeah. and screen indulgence. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, you don't want to do one, you don't want to go on either end of that spectrum. I like that. Um, yeah. But if you learn about your use of screens and you learn about the purpose of it, you become literate yep. in it yep. and you're right. able to learn um, how to regulate your techniques. So if, if last week was kind of an introduction to what that is and some of the challenges that we may face or see. If you haven't listened to last week's podcast, I encourage you to go back and take a moment and listen to that. This week is kind of the how. Mm-hmm. How do we work our way through this? How do we help our kids learn how to regulate their tech usage? Yeah. Well, I think, check the first step in any screen regulation for your children or for yourself is to assess if it's needed, right? right? And really the clear way that we can assess that is if you start to notice that screens are controlling you versus you controlling them, this is for you, this is for your kids, um, then it may be time to develop a screen literacy plan. So what are some of the signs, you know, you automatically reach for the phone when you're bored. I mean, we all do that to some degree. Parker just showed us this incredible um, yeah, very ah. cool. Where uh, within like my iPad or my iPhone, I can look and see how many times I pick my phone up mm-hmm. and it will show which of those apps I went to first. Yeah. Under screen, screen time, right? Yeah. Under screen time. Yeah. If you just go to screen time in your iPhone and you can tap in that, you can see weekly or daily. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a cool way to try to be able to not spy on your kid, but to for have an awareness. <laughs> but to spy on your kid. With, yeah. But to have an awareness of what's happening in your life and show, like, I could just imagine me with my daughter saying, hey, look, Parker showed me how to do this mm-hmm. today. Open yours up. What did you learn? And all of a sudden, you've got this shared experience. But having this ability to do this is... It's it's pretty powerful. Mm -hmm. It's an empowering tool as a parent to figure out... Okay, I don't have to know everything there is to know about technology right. to have a meaningful, purposeful conversation with my child about technology. Yeah. Well, and it's part of screen literacy, right? It's yeah. awareness, it's data points, it's more information. Um, and screen liter- literacy at its core is just becoming aware of the purpose of your technology yeah. and using it as such. Okay. So it teaches us how to learn about our screen use and change our patterns to make 
make screen use or tech use a healthy addition to our lives instead of maybe a harmful addiction. Yeah, sure. And I think we kind of, most of us who have screens in our life want to figure out how to Mm -hmm. have them make their proper place or be in their proper place in our lives. Now, Chuck, the foundation for developing, excuse me, a healthy relationship with screens is to start examining your screen use mindfully. Mm. So mindfulness is this term that we throw around in the therapeutic world, but what does that really mean? And what does it mean in light of screens? Well, specifically for your kids, you want to teach your child to assess what they are actually reaching for when they are reaching for the screen. Yeah. We can do this as adults as well. But if you're talking to your child, you can ask them, you know, are they seeking an escape? Are they Mm. seeking entertainment? Is it self-regulation? Is it comfort? Is it connection? Mm. Is it the security of knowing what to expect? You know, as kids, there's a big old world out there and they can't always understand um, all of the social nuances and all of the different things. But when they get on that screen, they know they press this button and they get the same result every time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's a level of consistency there. So when I when my kids reach for the screen, I'll ask them. <laughs> They're probably like, oh, mom, therapist, mom. But <laughs> I'll say, you know, OK cool. You want to, you know, I want to get on your screen, but stop for a second. Just check in with how you're feeling. (laughs) Like, you know, are you okay? Like, what do you, you know, like, how are you feeling? And then they can make a conscious choice about how they're going to use their screen time. So I will say to them, you know, how do you want to use your screen time today? And what, for what purpose are you using your screen time today? Now it's not wrong for a child or an adult to receive the things that I just mentioned from a screen. But if that's the only place they are getting it, then that's kind of a recipe for addiction. You know, the whole concept of mindfulness, mm-hmm. uh, just parenting at large. Yeah. You know, this is kind of in this particular space, though, the the ability to be mindful mm-hmm. probably starts with just some self-awareness. Yeah. Hey, I probably ought to just insert myself to be aware. Mm-hmm. enough mindfulness to, to ask a child. And this is what I have discovered. And I love this. When, when I'm representing mindfulness mm-hmm. with my kid or grandkid, I'm actually teaching them the value of mindfulness. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, this is a, mm-hmm. a, you used the term last week, the kind of, we borrow regulation mm-hmm. from people. Mm-hmm. I think we can borrow mindfulness. Yeah. Right. Well, there's science behind that too. Our nervous systems, when they are connected to another regulated nervous system, they start to respond in a similar yeah. way. Yeah. Kind of right? like a show last season about uh, mirror neurons. Mirror neurons. Yeah. Because, like, when I talk to you, so this is interesting. So let's just say, um, if you if you were my parent and mm-hmm. I was a teen, mm-hmm. then there is a, uh, you, you're, you're a very mindful human, right? So, but what comes along with that though, is some degree of, uh, of peaceful, there's a calm mm-hmm. repertoire that comes with that. Mm, so calm that sometimes my friends tell me they fall asleep listening to the podcast. <laughs> Probably not know. during my segment, though. <laughs> okay. I mean, just to be honest, you know. Just I was like, really? Well, thanks. Yeah, I that'll. I, that may not be a bad thing, though. <laughs> they said you're so calm and peaceful. But see, I, that's kind of what I'm getting at, though. It's kind of a cool concept <laughs> because if if it's not a bark. Yeah. Well, and this is why this is so important for us to really have a framework surrounding not freaking out about screens. Right. Because if right. we are coming at our kids with this, like, 
rage right. <laughs> or with this stress, with this like, you know, sense of, of fear, mm-hmm. um, they're going to pick up on that Absolutely. and they're already seeking a screen for regulation. Yeah. So they're going to need to be able to have a grown up in the room who can be calm and, you know, for the most part and be able to be mindful so that they can borrow our mindfulness as they transition mm-hmm. right, I like that. off the screen. Um, so I would encourage our listeners, take a week to kind of practice mindful screen usage in your family. So what does this look like? Ask those questions of yourself and of your child and notice what themes emerge, okay? Mm -hmm. So, for example, if your child is constantly using the screen to self-regulate when they're emotionally upset, well, there you go. Now you have your next step in your plan. You're like, oh, wow, I see that my child is is upset and they're just immediately going to the screen. Okay, that means that next time or next week we need to add some other forms of emotional regulation to their day. Um, Now, for some kids, and I'll give a personal example, one of my... Uh, children, he is very energetic, but he also wants to obey. And so he sits, he sits at school all day. And when he gets home, he wants to somehow like discharge some energy. Yeah, it's a lot of energy to be pent up. Yeah. And he also wants to get some stimulation. So he got into a pattern this year after school where he would come home and get on the tablet, right? right? That's what he would do because he was trying to discharge a lot of that energy. So what we did is a couple of weeks ago, we decided to change the environment. And instead of him coming home directly to his tablet, we identified, okay, he needs to discharge energy. So let's come up with an activity he can do to discharge that yeah, energy. Yeah. And that can give him that stimulation. So we changed it to rock climbing, right? So now instead of getting on the tablet, he goes rock climbing. This could be anything. Like it doesn't necessarily have to be rock climbing. Sure. You can play yeah. outside. It's just, it's a different way to let that energy just kind of ooze out of him. Yes. But the first step is being mindful enough to know what you need. Yeah. Or yeah, what yeah, your yeah. child needs. Right. And you're teaching them, like you said, to identify what they need. Yeah. To be able to enter their screen time knowing, hey, I'm trying to get a little bit of comfort here. That's okay. Yeah. But this is not going to be the only way I get it. Then we, we develop adults who are able to say, mm. you know, I'm choosing to binge watch this, but it's not going to interfere with my functioning because I know that I'm still in control of this. Yeah, right? because the, identifying that stimulus is part of the issue, right? Mm-hmm. Well, so in my son's rock climbing example, the replacement of the screen with rock climbing. It's a great example of what therapists call behaviorism. So the core of behaviorism is essentially stimulus response. So there's something in the environment, internally or externally, that gives you a prompt, right? So for my son, it was, he gets home from school. Right. Okay, that's the stimulus. Right. Now, the response that he developed was tablet, right? Right. So there's that link. Not only behavioral in a behavioral sense, but in a neurological sense. So his brain has developed a pathway Mm. that says, come home from school, screen time, right? So in order to change that, it's important that we rewire that pathway, right? Right, right? So we took the kind of a mindful examination of this. We brainstormed with him 
Like, what are some additional ways you can meet that need? I know you've been sitting at school all day. You're just like, you know, really like wanting to do something, yeah. give yourself some stimulation. What can you do? Let's talk about some things you can do. We right. came up with rock climbing. So we're replacing that neural pathway. I love that. It could be replaced with anything. It doesn't have to be rock climbing. The park. You could do a new art set, right? Sure. You could yeah. do outdoor time with friends. But the important part is that we are starting by replacing a preferred activity, which mm. is screen time with another preferred activity. Yeah. So this right. is important, right? Right. Because last week we talked about those dopamine pathways, that yeah. chemical that gets released when we're on screens. The brain doesn't like it if we take that away. Absolutely. Right? I, that's why you use the term preferred. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. It's a preferred activity. So the, the brain is going to be like, wait a second. This is why our kids go, no, yeah. don't take my screen the away. The brain's like, whoa, but I'd rather go back and do that. Right. Yeah. And so... We need to develop a, a new way to stimulate the reward circuitry, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So if possible, this is what I encourage parents to do. Whenever you're transitioning your kid off a screen, yeah. like let's say that you you know that your child has difficulty transitioning off a screen, which is most kids. Right. Um, or if you're even preemptively planning, mm -hmm. like when they're going to mm -hmm. have screen time during the day, try to schedule it in such a way that they'll be moving off the screen to another preferred activity. Right. Even right. if it's just for a few moments, because right. it just yeah. needs, the brain just needs to get that a little bit of time to kind of recalibrate, right? right? right. So, like, if you go from screen time to okay, we're going to turn this off right now, put your phone down, and now you got to do your hardest homework assignment. Yeah, that's not going to go over so well. That's right. So, if there's a buffer that you can have, kind of neurologically, that helps people move into that. Yeah, I like that. Um, yeah. Now, again, I keep mentioning this, but some people get to the point where they need a dopamine de detox, where yep. they just yep. Yep. Give up, you know, screens. But that's usually if these other methods haven't worked over time. So I, my, I have uh, two elementary age grandsons, mm -hmm. right? So when they come to Pop's house, one of the things they love is at my house, we we have an Xbox, mm -hmm. but not at their house. Yeah. Right. So, you know, uh, I noticed that the pattern was you come to Pop's house, you play Xbox. Mm -hmm. But it was like, hmm, I bet we could, I bet we, I had no idea about this whole concept of behaviorism mm -hmm. you know that's all new to me i love that picture mm -hmm. but i found a pre i, I found a preferred outlet mm -hmm. so so we literally they've kind of outgrown the um the the like the the little nerf gun things mm. except for this one activity they've outgrown them how can you outgrow outgrow nerf well i know because i'm still geeked up about it <laughs> yeah. so i have one now that can shoot like 30 before i have to reload Ooh, it's like whoa. ridiculous yeah. but now the thing is you want to shoot gutters Okay. okay, so the goal now <laughs> is cutters. you shoot them high, high yeah. and you can't hit the roof uh -huh. and you can't, you has to stay in the gutter. Oh my gosh. And who goes and gets those out? Well, they're still there. <laughs> yeah, okay. They're still there. But I got to tell you, gutter shooting gutter has shooting become a preferred activity. Yeah. And you know, we stumbled on this uh -huh. because it... It doesn't have to be something, you know, radical. No, chicken launchers. Do yeah, you, do you guys have chicken launchers? Absolutely. Those get stuck on the roof all the time. And they're like $5, yeah. right? Yeah. But it does, it takes knowing your kid a little bit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And trial and error. Because oh, you're going to find certain things. You're going to be like, well, nope, that, that doesn't work for if them. If you've never taken a little boy with one of those cheap dollar store, uh, like light uh, kickball kind of mm -hmm. things. And the goal is to kick it and it gets stuck in a tree. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, you can spend an hour oh, yeah. doing that. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and you know, another one is just parents looking for ideas. When's the last time you took your kid to the local, like, little, little uh, uh, local airport uh-huh. where they fly those little planes in? Oh, yeah. And the, here's what works for every time. You see a guy who's landed a plane mm-hmm. and you ask the person at the desk, can I go show my kid that plane? Aww. And then you walk out. Every pilot of everyone gets they geeked out showing it. a kid their plane. Yeah. It's the greatest thing ever. That is so cool. You know? That is so cool. And, you know, I think that's an important piece because, and distinction, because dopamine is is mostly about um, motivation, but also novelty. Yeah. Novelty is yeah. very much a uh, something that stimulates dopamine. And so if you're moving, again, from a preferred activity where a lot of dopamine is released to a non-preferred activity, it's important. Because to, like all things, like curiosity can be really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're going to talk in a minute about when your kid protests yeah, because yeah, they will, yeah, especially absolutely. at the beginning. Absolutely. But I think it's important to remember that for many of our kids and our teens, they spent some of their formative years, mm. whether toddlers or teens, during COVID. Yeah. And this is when screen usage was at an all-time high for obvious reasons. Yeah. So I say that for us as parents to give some grace to our kids, but also for us as parents to give some grace to ourselves. Yeah, I like Because that. in a lot of ways, we were trying to survive, right? Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. once the threat is over or, you know, reduce significantly, then now it's no longer survival mode and we can make some changes, right? Um, But I think if we just expect them to suddenly self-regulate their screen time use, because, well, we said so, you turn it off and you're just supposed to because we said so. That's to me about as realistic as expecting your car's GPS to route you to a smoothie shop when you've been repeatedly driving to Chick-fil-A, right? Like that's just, that's not the route that you're used to. You said that like, (laughs) That's happened to you before. <laughs> okay, so this is funny. You know those things in your phone? Yeah. Where, like, they'll tell you where you've been. Yeah. Like, they'll say, when you get in the car, they'll say 10 minutes to oh, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, mine literally says, like, eight minutes to more road, and it's Chick-fil-A. Like, it's used to me going to Chick-fil-A. That is so funny. Yeah, I... It automatically routes me there. But but our kids' brains have done the same thing, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like, I need something, screen. I'm bored, screen. I need, you know, mom and dad are busy, screen, right? So I think that's why whenever we are helping our kids move out of screen access, mm. we do have to put, kind of put a little bit more energy on the front end yeah. um, to help walk them through. Because if your child was used to using a screen to self-regulate, you're going to need to become their co-regulator temporarily as right. they learn how to transition away from that. Yeah. The parent's yeah. going to need to have their presence. Yeah, the, the, the temporary co-regulator is, a, is such a cool way to see parenting. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it is, is, am I regulating, like am I self-regulating in such a way that my child or grandchild, can, can they borrow that from me? Yeah, and it's also a really um, important I guess, indicator or um, just validation for taking time to care for yourself as a parent. You know, a lot of parents, they literally think, I just need to do all this for my kids. And it's like, your kids need you to be well. Like, that's what they need right now. So let's talk about, like, practically, right? Like, you, let's say you and your child have worked together and you've determined, like, okay, you're going to have screen time for, you know, an hour on the weekdays and a couple hours on the weekends or whatever. And how are you going to use that, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and they're mindful about it. They're recognizing that they're choosing to get on a screen and the screen doesn't rule them. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Now, a way that we can co-regulate with them is we can do a check-in, of course, like five minutes before their time is up, right? right? Give them a gentle reminder. Hey, buddy, you say, you know, we say, if you, if this is hard for you, you can use Alexa yeah. <laughs> as your reminder, yeah. put on that timer, Alexa set timer for one hour, you know, Alexa remind me five minutes, you know, those kind of things, right? Sometimes it's easier to have a third party if your right. kid is, you know, if you know that you can't be regulated in the moment, right? But it's also good to be mindful of stopping points. I don't know. Most parents will will say amen with this. You know, the kid's like, I can't quit it now. I have to save the game, you know, or why, what, you know, we're almost done or whatever. So, you know, if you can be flexible in terms of stopping points, that can be really helpful because it also empowers your child to recognize that they, again, are in charge of their, you know, their ability to get off a screen. Now, some parents will just grab a screen out of a kid's hands when the timer is up. They're like, okay, it's done. Give it to me. Right. Right. But if we think about this from the behaviorism perspective, what does this cause? Well, now the child is panicking Mm -hmm. in the moment, Mm -hmm. and now they're associating that stimulus of the end of screen time with the response of feeling very uncomfortable feelings. So if it's always a battle when you end screen time, they're going to be dreading the end of screen time. That's right. right. Yeah. Because that's what they're used to. And they're going to seek to avoid that in the future. Alternatively, I think we want our kids to feel empowered. Yeah. I, that's really where um, I wanted to jump in here because it's um, this concept of how do I let a child feel empowered while at the same time guiding them toward that? Yes. It feels to me like this one thing that is absolutely demanded in that space is flexibility. Yeah. Well, boundaries and flexibility. I know that sounds weird to say both of those things. But they're supposed to live together. Yes. Yes. Because ultimately the boundary is set to fulfill the ultimate purpose for the activity. And sometimes that requires flexibility. If you're still fulfilling the purpose of the activity, then, you know, that's the point. And when a kid learns that, hey... I know I might be a minute over, but I know that this is a good stopping point. I'm going to choose to turn off the screen. Mm. They are empowered and they are able to say, you know what? Like I can do this, right? Because I think a lot of kids, they don't learn how to manage themselves when it comes to screen time. Um, So when we give them autonomy within predetermined limits, um, it helps them achieve this. And then they're going to associate the end of screen time with a choice to build their brain power, to go do other things. You know, my kids will say like, I'm not going to let the screen control me. Right. I'm going to control the screen. So like if a phone is a vehicle. We want to teach them how to drive it versus it driving them. Now, we don't give them free reign to do that, right? You don't don't send a 12-year-old in a car and say, drive it. Obviously, there needs to be the age-appropriate limits. There needs to be training. There needs to be, you know, you have your driver's ed coach that helps you at the beginning. This is what we're doing with our kids and screens. I had a guy uh, did a uh, men's conference for me several years ago, and he... uh, he had two little girls mm-hmm. and, at the time, and he, he brought a shotgun in and an iPad. Okay. And I thought, okay, this is interesting. Yeah. You know? And uh, so he, he held up the gun, and he said, how many of you would send your daughter? And at the time, his girl was like, I don't know, 10 or 11? Okay. How many of you would send your little girl out with this gun without teaching her anything mm-hmm. about 
safety or the dangers or what how how many things can happen yeah and then he held up his ipad and he said then why are you sending her with this without that right same concept right yes and you know i say to people so for an example my son was at a sleepover last Mm -hmm. weekend we don't technically do sleepovers yeah but we let him go and it was a neighbor and we picked him up at 1 a.m which was fun for yeah, us yeah. to stay yeah. awake you gotta love that um but we had this conversation and i said you know he's trying to understand right like what why you know and i said well let's just talk about it you know and i said did anybody there have a phone you know and he's like yeah and i said so you know just so you know you were not at that sleepover with just your friends at that right. point. You were at that sleepover with anybody that that phone could access on the internet. That's right. And I said, I know, I know most of the kids there. They're great kids. They have a great family. They're, you know, monitored, but there are kids that came that we didn't know. And there are, yeah. there, we don't know their access to, right. to technology. Right? right. So are you, you know, teaching your kids so good. how to do that? Um, and this is a lot about, I think, understanding patterns. Okay. Okay. So from the behaviorist lens, um, one of the things we can do to increase our child's screen literacy, um, and to help them with those boundaries is to limit locations where tech is used. Mm. Okay. So again, we are attaching things to the stimulus. So if you have your phone in bed, you are attaching bed with scrolling, not sleeping. Right. <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah. So I will always advocate for no cell phones in bedrooms. Mm-hmm. Um, Agreed. And, you know, unless there's a parent monitoring it or whatever at, with them, because this is important from a psychological and a biological perspective as well in terms of sleep hygiene, right? Because, but it's also because our children and their teen, you know, their brains they're not developed enough to have unrestricted no. access to the entire world. Not only that, Chuck, but when they're tired, <laughs> oh, when yeah. they're not yeah. at their best in terms of yeah. decision making, this is all what is happening at night, right? And that's probably true for most adults, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Well, I told my son about the sleepover. I was like, nothing good happens after midnight. <laughs> I said, fun things can happen after midnight, but there's really not a lot of like yeah, yeah. redeeming stuff. And I said, also, if you guys are on your phone, like if you're on someone's phone after midnight, yeah. the ads that are getting targeted are probably not the best, yeah, right? Guaranteed. Um, I always I used to tell my kids, it's funny. Um, we talked about how what you view is is like your eyes are the gates, right? Yeah, and yeah. so my kids, when they were little, they'd watch like a scary, you know, commercial or something. And they'd be like, guard your gates, guard yeah, your yeah. gates. Right, you know, right, put their yeah. eyes over. What do you think about phones during meal times, Chuck? So uh, this, this probably has very little to do with parenting and more to do with uh, literally just having intimacy and relationships. But I, I don't think most adults have enough uh, willpower on their own to hear the buzz mm, and, not pick and it leave up. the phone alone. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I would go so far as say that even if the phone is in the same room mm. and you hear the buzz of the ring or mm-hmm. the ping or whatever it is, mm-hmm. that you can't even be fully present. So this is, there's actually a really interesting scientific purpose for understanding of that is that our brain, again, those dopamine receptors, yeah. just the idea of a reward yeah. is actually, it, it motivates us to seek it. Yeah. So when we yeah. hear the buzz, 
it is as if we are like we are drawn to it, right? Yeah, like, yeah. It's almost like sometimes the the motivation of it is even more powerful than actually the attainment of it. I think that's true. So when you have things buzzing, when you have yeah. a temptation there, it's funny. We went through a season where um, my husband and I were doing like you know some tech non tech stuff and. There's actually these little boxes that you mm-hmm. can get yeah. that you can put your phone in it yeah, and you turn it like an hour or whatever and it will lock. Absolutely. And it will unlock Absolutely. in an hour, yeah. which is and so I interesting. W- so I, here's, here's, this is what I find interesting. I think it has a lot to do with uh, last week we talked about productivity, mm-hmm. how technology can help with productivity. It is also proof that productivity can become your God. Yes. Um. I went through a season, Julie, where it was it was all I could do. Mm-hmm. If I heard a buzz, I, I wanted a clean, I wanted an inbox so clean mm. that my insides were were just like raging until I dealt with it. Mm-hmm. Now, fortunately, I, I mean, I worked my way through all of that <laughs> because, as I, you know, you're living, I can let a text sit there for a minute, <laughs> you, you know, but it but it's taken a while. Yeah, but. If if we can model that for our kids, right. then all of a sudden they can see that that conversation is fun, mm-hmm. that uh, the the act of just sitting down together is fun. Yeah, that it, technology doesn't have it doesn't have to be involved for life to just be enjoyable. Yeah, well, and something we talked about last week is that sometimes kids have a difficulty distinguishing between what they're seeing on TV in the real world. And yeah, when we yeah. create these tech-free moments, yeah, we are able. I mean, I will say to my son, you know, you, what you're watching with Mr. Beast and all these other things on YouTube, like he can't watch YouTube without a, a parent around. Right, but right. we do let yeah. him watch it, and I'm like. What you're watching is not real life. There are productions. I said, us sitting here at the dinner table and talking about our day yeah. and you're, you learning how to handle when your brother gets in your space yep. and you learning how to talk to us about, you know, what the kid did at school and how you're frustrated that's with the teacher. Real that's real life. Yeah. And it's important to be able to have that reality check. Right? I liked what you said last week, Julie, uh, like uh, that you're your kids get the concept people are more important than screens. Yeah, we, I mean, they will oftentimes use it against me. Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, say, kids are good at that. Mom, yeah. people are more important than screens, yeah, of course. right? If yeah. they want. Yeah. But we've drilled that into them from the beginning. If, and again, we're not a low screen family. I mean, sure. they have yeah. screen time, they are on screens. Um, they, they enjoy their screen yeah, yeah, time. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but, but what you said, though, this kind of being drilled into them, that's because you have taken the time to keep it in front of them. Right. And like one thing you, you say drilled into it kind of implies that, mm-hmm. you know, but it's more like just a constant reminder, you know, mm-hmm. and this one, one thing in parenting that I, I don't know if I just learned it the hard way, but mm-hmm. about the time I'm tired of saying it, they've probably just heard it. Well, repetition is the biggest indicator of, yeah. you know, that's how, that's how kids learn. So yeah. we get frustrated. We're like, why do I have to tell you? How many times do I have to tell you? And it's right. like lots of times. A lot of times. Yeah. yeah. One of my best friends, her, she has this phrase that I love and she says, gentle pressure applied relentlessly. I like that. <laughs> and I it's like that. true, right? Because yeah. it takes time. It takes time. And for all of us getting to the place we are today, if our kids or we are struggling with screen use or overuse, that didn't happen overnight. That's right. Right. It happened one change at a time. Yeah. It happened, you know, and again, no shame here. I've used a screen to babysit my kids before, but sure. it happened, yeah. you know, choosing 
the screen over whatever for whatever reason. Yeah. Maybe we needed to at that point. Old people like me at times see a, a young couple in a restaurant with two kids mm-hmm. and the kids are watching a screen. Mm-hmm. If you're not careful because you don't know the context right. or what's happening in that family, right. that might be the only screen time that kids had that day. Oh my gosh. And it might be salvaging your meal. So give them a break. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if they didn't have that screen. Well, and you know, I remember when my husband's um, father was going through COVID, he was in the ICU and all these things. And I remember we just needed to eat dinner and be able to yeah. talk. Yeah. And I remember my kids, I gave them each like a tablet or something. And I remember thinking, gosh, people are going to be like, oh, their kids aren't right, a screen right. during yeah. dinner time. And yeah. I'm like, you don't know the context, right? Um, and so, yes, it, it didn't happen overnight. It's going to take little changes. Um, and reversing some of these patterns is, it's going to take time. And I want to stress this more than anything else I stress in this whole podcast series is that your children or teens will probably not be happy about screen boundaries. That's right. They're not going to be happy. They're going to say, mom, all my, or dad, all my friends, all my friends get this. What's wrong with you? You know, why don't you let me do this? Blah, blah, blah. That, you know, if they're younger, they might have a little meltdown and that's okay. That's right. All right. That's right. We can validate. Yeah, you're right. This is hard. This is really, really hard. And I get it. Like yep. your some of your yep. friends don't have that. Some of your friends don't have these rules. And that's that sucks. Yeah. You know? Totally. And yet here is what we've decided for our family yeah. and here is what yeah. we are going to do. You know, the flip side of that is equal treat. It has equal truth to it. And that is so let's go back to my example in the restaurant. Mm-hmm. So you see, uh, you're the family sitting there, and both your kids are on a screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you look across the table, and you see another family, and they're just fully engaged. Mm-hmm. Well, you could try to own that shame. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, what are we doing wrong? Mm-hmm. When in context, you may be doing nothing wrong. Right, right. You may be doing nothing wrong at all. Don't, don't put on yourself mm-hmm. something that contextually doesn't belong on you. Yeah, I will never forget when my oldest was having a moment in a grocery store a long time ago. And I remember I just, I was worried about what everybody was thinking. And I remember I felt this, like this still small voice, right? Stop worrying about whether other people think you're a good parent and just be the parent that he needs right now. And, you know, you take the time to intentionally determine what screen usage is right for your family. Absolutely. Uh, I would say that it's fair to say unregulated screen use is probably not the healthiest, but complete uh, screen avoidance or fear is not the healthiest either. Right. So you got to figure out what works for your family and make small changes. Yeah. And, stick with them. Yeah, absolutely. So people are like, what's the best plan for, you know, my screen time? I'm like, the best plan to make is the one you can stick to. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Even yeah. if it's small at yeah. first. Consistency can make up for a lot of parenting mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because that's what kids need. They yeah. just need presence yeah. and consistency. I'm pretty sure in my 60s, I need it. Yeah. You yeah, know, I, I function better mm-hmm. when there is, you know, when consistently, when, when I am consistently managing me well, Mm -hmm. I'm better. Mm -hmm. When I consistently value other people, I'm better. It gives our brain the ability to conserve energy because we're used to the structure so we can utilize it on other things. Absolutely. Like growing. Yeah. So I'm excited because next week, I think uh, you and I are tackling, you know, tech usage with 
all of us kind of at large at an adult mm-hmm, space, mm-hmm. It, which may be a bigger issue than our kids. Yeah. Well, you know, as we are starting to take a look at our kids' tech use, take a look at yours too. Might not you be a might, bad idea. Might start noticing some things. Um, Absolutely. And some patterns, but we'll like talk about that. It's possible if if when you check, like Parker showed us earlier about <laughs> the apps, if Domino's comes up in the first three. <laughs> I mean, Uber Eats might be on my. Well, DoorDash might be on mine. As a matter of fact, I'm just going to own it. It did show up as number seven on mine. I got to check and see where my husband. I'm going to be like, look, it's not on here because he gets so mad when I DoorDash. Like, seriously, I'm like. I know. Jenny's like, why don't you just get in the car and go get it? That defeats the whole purpose. I say you get a clean house, you get kids that are taken care of, or you get a home cooked meal, but you don't get all three. So that's probably a good choose. way to end this week <laughs> as Julie has confessed all of these things. And, um, you know, Julie, every time we tackle a subject like this, one thing that is consistent mm-hmm. about our conversation is the fact that most things are better. Yes. With consistency. Mm-hmm. And when we don't hold them so tightly that we can't contextualize them. Yeah. Yeah. That when we hold them loosely enough and yet hold them, mm-hmm. That we have the ability to find that healthy, progressive understanding of what I'm making ground. I'm moving forward. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm gaining ground. I'm not going to be there yet. Progress, not perfection. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And working with our kids in technology is that. It's Absolutely. like I am not going to go from my kid playing video games two and a half hours a day to mm-hmm. cold turkey. Yeah. And um, it, it didn't start off that way because that kid didn't even know that game. Right. <laughs> so um, just give yourself some grace mm-hmm. and hold that loosely and move forward. And we'll be back next week to talk a little bit more about just adult tech use and what that looks like relationally, yeah. uh, interpersonally. Well, now we're getting into like AI and all yeah. kinds of different elements and how this intersects with our yeah. life. Yeah, so I think it's going to be a great... Uh, show as we expand on that dopamine connection in light of all the other areas in our lives beyond just tech use, but how it influences the rest of our life. As always, we're just so grateful that you folks tune in with us every week as we merge faith and psychology here at the Positive Talk podcast. And remember, you can catch all of our previous seasons, one through four, and the several shows in season five on our website, which is positivetalkpodcast.com, where you can follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Positive Talk Podcast, which seems weird now that we just talked about having (laughs) some type of screen literacy. And yet... Don't spend forever there just long enough to check us out. That seems like a normal thing to do. So thanks so much for listening in. Julie, as always, you are just a lot of fun because I learn so much every time from you. Thank you. Same. All right, you guys, we'll see you back next week. Parker, you want to say anything? Nope. He's just over there doing his thing. Bye, y'all. We'll see you next (laughs) week. Thanks again for joining Julie and Chuck on this week's Positive Talk podcast. Please share this episode with friends, family, and social media. You can find our previous seasons and episodes on our website at positivetalkpodcast.com and join us on social media for more content at Positive Talk Podcast. Thanks again and go in peace.